This episode of Stick Like Glue Radio is brought to you by Jim Palmer's Dream Business Academy Annapolis. This truly one-of-a-kind live event takes place October 7th through the 9th in beautiful Annapolis, Maryland. And you'll learn exactly how to market and grow a more profitable business faster. Jim and his dream team of speakers will share some of their best marketing and business building advice, all in a pitch-free zone. And don't miss two of Jim's rock star entrepreneur friends, Melanie Benson-Strick and best-selling author Bob Berg. Dream Business Academy Annapolis will quite literally transform your business. Do not miss it. Get all the details and register today at www.dreambizacademy.com. That's www.dreambizacademy.com. Hi, it's Melanie Benson-Strick, America's leading small business optimizer, and you are listening to my good friend Jim Palmer on Stick Like Glue Radio. Welcome to Jim Palmer's Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Jim Palmer is a marketing and business building expert, author, speaker, and an in-demand coach. He's the founder of the Dream Business Academy and Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind Program. Jim is the host of Newsletter Guru TV, the hit weekly web TV show based on Jim's smart marketing and business building advice. Check it out at www.newsletterguru.tv. And now, please welcome the host of Stick Like Glue Radio, Jim Palmer. Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio. This is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. (laughs) Those are always great things in anybody's business. I am your host, Jim Palmer, your dream business coach. I'm committed, as always, to helping you build a more profitable business faster. I'm very excited about this week's show. My special guest is serial entrepreneur, private equity investor and author, Shola Abidoy. And I think I said that correctly. She is a serial international entrepreneur, private equity investor and author. As I said, she serves as the chief Revenue Officer of ConvertPort and the world's leading expert in CRSP, the Scalable Digital Sales Technology. Her first online venture was acquired in 2012, and she has grown three businesses by over 10,000% in the last five years alone. Her mission is to save one million entrepreneurs from being yet another business mortality rate statistic. And she is originally from Washington, D.C. She lives between the East Coast, Europe, and 526 feet away from the beach on the Mexican Riviera. Shola, how are you doing today? Thank you for being my special guest. I'm delighted, Jen. How are you today? The Mexican Riviera. Now, you and I were chatting real briefly before we went live. Is that what you're referring to? Because you mentioned the Baja, or is that just where you are now? Yeah, so there's a beautiful slice of uh, God's green earth here in uh, northern Mexico that's right on the border across from San Diego, and it's known on this side of the the country as the Mexican Riviera, so I was lucky lucky enough to find it, and I live here part-time. I'll be back home few uh, weeks from now on the east coast and it's just a perfect uh way to live so so you actually live on the east coast or do you do you live do you do split are you like bi-coastal or are you on vacation or you just uh spend a certain amount of time there i like to think of myself as tri-coastal if that's the word so i'm I'm really from (laughs) dc i spend part of the year depending on the weather (laughs) 
and uh, any deals that I'm doing on the East Coast and, uh, between D.C., Philadelphia, New York, and then part of the year here on the West Coast. And then when I need to be in Europe, I'm either in Stockholm or I am in the south of Spain or I like to spend time in uh, London or Berlin. So, yeah, I'm really happy to have that freedom. And some of these strategies that we're going to be talking about today that has really afforded me the ability to do that sort of thing. Awesome. So, uh, by the way, as you probably heard in the opening spot, there are experiences of Catholics and Annapolis. That's up the road from, from the D.C. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, well, you know, what do I want to talk to you about uh, VC-funded companies and, uh, you know, I think you've um, – I have a little bit of research and you say that uh, VC-funded company owners know something that other uh, company owners don't know. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, I think the biggest idea is this. Most, let's call it lifestyle businesses or small private companies, they have a very different mindset. When someone goes to invest millions of dollars into your company, they really have one key question. If I put in X amount of money, when am I going to get that X multiplied and by when? And the challenge is that most of us who are private business owners, owners they don't, we don't really think about our investment of time or money in the same way. You see, you're going to put a certain amount of time and a certain amount of money into growing your business, and you need to have a clear sense of what investors would call IRR, so your internal rate of return, right? So many of us are investing oftentimes years of sweat equity, in many cases, every bit of our life savings into growing our business, but when we sit back, we don't have much. Some people, they don't have much to show for it, and the whole idea is that when they really start to track the investment of their time and money into their business and they see the return, then it will force them to focus on the things that really matters, which is their customer acquisition or sales process. So that's the really key distinction, understanding that you're investing a specific amount of time and money into your business and that you are investing private equity. Private equity is just a fancy way of saying your own money, right? And once I think you get that investor mindset, then I think that you'll begin to make uh, uh, decisions that are driven by the numbers as opposed to what sort of feels good. Our business as entrepreneurs tends to be in an animate object that is as close to a child as possible. We give so much of ourselves, and we need to figure out how to focus on the numbers so we can really start making uh, numbers-driven decisions. That's pretty. That's pretty insightful. You know, I um, one of the things I always talk about with my whole dream business concept is that one of the one of the things about a dream business is it it becomes a saleable asset. And there's a lot of different ways that you can make your business more attractive to uh, being acquired. But I think, correct me if I'm wrong. Don't you think a lot of small business owners they start out first of all because they're you know in what what I call cash flow mode. They you know they celebrate transactions or they look at income events whether having a big sale or some kind of a, a promotion or rollout when, you know, they should be looking at, like you say, not only just the cash flow but the, the sweat equity they're putting in the business. And, and unfortunately, a lot of people, I think, just have their, their eyes like where on next Friday's payday and bill-paying day. They're not looking at what am I creating and how, how will it become a saleable asset down the road. Do you, so I think you actually work with people too, right, that, that sell businesses and, and things like that? Sure. Well, our whole vision really is to help over the course of the next 50 months. We want to help a million entrepreneurs, and whether that's through 
our chats like this or over the Internet or actually through our time work. We want to help a million entrepreneurs get off what we call this feast and famine sales cycle. And the way you do that is by automating and systematizing your sales process, and we'll talk about convert for a little later. But the whole idea is that when you do that, you're able to step away from your business. And when someone is looking to acquire your company, the single biggest question in their mind is as follows. Will sales continue when this owner walks away and I take over the business? And the challenge is that one of the seven Bs, as I like to call it, is going to happen to everybody listening to this call in the course of the next, let's say, five to seven years. And what are those seven Ds? So the first one is death. Somebody that you're not aware of is going to pass away. That's just life, okay? The next one is divorce. Then we have disability. We all get hurt. Sometimes we can get over it in a week. Sometimes it's a serious illness. And then there's departure of our key employees or some of our partners or disagreement. Or the last two are really disruption and disinterest, right? So as entrepreneurs, we tend to be really passionate about creating. And the uh, entrepreneurial ADD, where you move from one thing to the other, it's something that we all have. The reason why we go and we build businesses, we have this natural creative urge. And so the challenge for everyone listening is that if you know that one of those seven Ds is going to happen to you, and you want to build a business that not only generates income that supports you, you and, your, and your dreams and your family's well-being, but also is an asset for you in case one of these seven Ds happens, then you have to plan. And just by knowing that one of those seven Ds is going to happen and building a sales process that ensures against that sort of business risk we talked about, I talked about investors really being focused on the numbers. And as an entrepreneur, we have to be focused on the risks of entrepreneurship. And so when you know that one of those seven Ds is a risk factor and you know that in order for your business to really become a liquid asset, you have to build a sales process independent of you, then you wake up in the morning with a clear set of objectives as opposed to being distracted by the one of 25,000 sales messages that's going to be aimed at you over the course of the next 24 hours. So that should re resonate with your readers who are really focused on building the best business possible. I agree. I think I wrote down six. I wrote down death, um, divorce, disability, um, departure. Uh, departure of key staff, disruption, and disinterest. What did I forget? Miss. And then disagreement. How many of us oh, have had, had this? Yep. With your key partners or other folks that you do business with, it's just a, a natural part of doing business, and it's a natural part of life. And the statistics say that within the course of 60 months to seven years, which is a really small period of time to be in business, one of those seven things is going to happen. And if you don't plan for it, it really could wipe you out. Hmm. Okay, so you say focus on the numbers because one of the seven Ds or more, and I think probably several of them are likely to happen, especially over like a five-year period of time, and that um, focus on your business becoming a, um, a saleable asset. Now, you also talk about uh, business owners needing to become professional entrepreneur. Is that what you mean by a professional entrepreneur, somebody who's focused on the numbers and and um setting up, you know, the the sales funnels and things like that so they work independently of the of the business owner? Sure. Well, let's just think about literally what the word professional means. It means someone who does something for income, okay? Uh not just a hobby, number 1, and number 2, it means someone who gets consistent results, right? 
So when we all decided to become entrepreneurs, Jim, unfortunately there wasn't somebody from the National Entrepreneurship Board who sent us a lovely package. And in that package was a manual, a set of binders that walked us through all the things that we had to get good at when we became an entrepreneur. So when you become a lawyer or when you become a doctor or even when you become a stockbroker or list any other profession, there's a certain set of key skills and standards that you have to be judged by, right? And so as an entrepreneur, the single biggest thing that we all have to master is customer acquisition, right? The only way that money changes hands is when a customer is created. But most entrepreneurs, if you were to ask them, name your seven-step sales process or name your seven-step customer acquisition or client acquisition process, they could give you some vague description of how they try to drum up awareness for their business. And they maybe can give you some vague discussion about how they try to follow up with customers. But when it comes to actually sitting down and having an exact, specific, precise customer acquisition process that's mapped out for them, for anybody who might buy their business, they don't really have that. And so if there's one thing that I would just be so excited for people to walk walk, walk away from this uh, interview really thinking about is can you describe your sales process? Is it broken down, is it automated? Because if you can do that and it's consistent, it's professional, meaning it, it generates what I call light switch results, when we go and click on the light switch, we are guaranteed that we're going to get light flooding a room. And when you have a sales process that's like a light switch where you're guaranteed that you put X amount of time or X amount of financial resources into your sales process and you get Y amount out, so money in, money out, then life just becomes really different. You know, I, I probably know the answer to this, but I'm curious anyway. When should you start planning to sell your business? Really great question. The answer is from day one, right? So here's mm-hmm. here's 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 how to look at it. Most people, here's two analogies that really give people an aha moment, Jim. So most people, when they go and they buy a home, as much as that they, as much as much as they may love a home most people would not buy a home if they knew they couldn't sell it, right? Because the first question they ask themselves is, well, what if life changes or what if I want a different home? If I buy a home that I can't sell, I'm stuck, okay? Similarly, we all can remember our uh, elementary school or high school, our first crush, crush, right? And we all felt like that person, we'd love them forever and we would be with them forever. Well, a good chunk of people, a small percentage of people are with the the guy or the girl that they met in second grade. But most people, no matter how much you loved your first crush, didn't marry their their uh, their sweetheart, right? And so for us, the, the challenge is the old way of looking at it for many private business owners is to say, well, I built this business for me, I'm not going to sell it, right? But that means that they don't look at the facts, which is that one of those 70s is going to happen, number one. And number two, if you build a business from the start, with this idea that at some point one of those seven things is going to happen. Even one of those seven things means you're going to pass away and you want to have a business that the people that you love can either, either sell, just like they could sell a house if you, if you gave it to them, or they could run it effectively, then you're just going to build an entirely different business. The statistics say that up to 50% of a business owner's wealth comes from proper exit planning, meaning if you do it right from day one, let's say you're going to sell your business without any proper exit planning for a million dollars. With the proper exit planning, a few small but important things, 
you could sell it for 1.5. So that's uh, half a million dollars, 50% more. So let's just say the business was generating $100,000 a year, okay, in, in profit. So just by a few small things doing well, you would generate uh, more in exit planning than you would in five years of working your fingers to the bone. So that should really be a powerful example that will give people the incentive they need to build a systematic sales process. And we can just talk a little bit later about what that would look like because the payoff for doing that is so tremendous. And you want to create a business that generates wealth not just for you but also for your family. Hmm. So um, why do business – well, actually, let me – why and how do business owners – how do they look at their time and, and the financial investment, but as you described earlier, the, the time that they invest, the sweat equity in their company, how, do they, how should they look at that like an investor would? Because, you know, it seems to me, and you're, you're much more of an expert than I am, an investor is going to look at the assets, they're going to look at the customer list, the cash flow, and, and things like that. Do they really take into account the sweat equity the owner the current owner put in? Well, the the answer is an absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So what happens is that many business owners go to sell their company, and they say, oh, I only work five hours a, a week on this business. And then you dig into the business and you realize, well, number one, you don't work five hours a week. You actually work 20 hours a week. Um, you've only really had to make a note of how much time you're really spending in the business when you started exit planning, right? So, number one, they realize that they're investing a lot more time into the business than they did. Number two, they realize that they have maybe their wife or their husband and their two kids and an aunt who pitch in, right? And so now it goes from a business only taking five hours to run, which is your pitch when you go to sell it, to a business that really takes 40 hours a week to run, right? And so what's going to happen is that someone is going to come and buy a business, and you're going to say to them, oh, this business you can run yourself for five hours a week. And they're thinking, oh, okay, that sounds great. But then they dig into the numbers and they're like, no, this is actually a full-time job. And so the thing, just to pull back to what really matters, the thing that one has to be focused on, Jim, is the sales process. If you have a laborious sales process, if you have a process that just takes so much time and energy out of the business owner, then that makes your business either far less attractive when it comes to being a, a sellable liquid asset or in many cases not sellable. So to give you an example, our technology, which we call CRISP, right, stands for Controllable, Repeatable, Scalable, and Predictable Revenue Generation, is really about a seven-step sales technology or sales algorithm that starts with paid media, right, because the first part of any sales process, whether you're selling widgets or where you're selling derivatives, is awareness. You have to generate awareness because someone isn't aware of your product they're not going to buy. And then the next step is research. In fact, one would probably do research first because if you don't research your market and what we call 80-20 customer data science, so that's really looking at all the data that's out there and asking yourself, what's the 80% of the data about our target market that matters the most, the 20% that that yields 80% results. And then after the research and then the uh, building awareness through paid media, right, because you can automate paid media, then there are other processes like lead generation, lead qualification, a closing up process, which can happen automatically through a software like ConvertPort or any other marketing automation tools, although we're partial to our own because ours was built from the ground up with 80-20 in mind. And then you have the customer referral, right? So if you look at an owner typically spending, gosh, 
Some might spend 20, 30, 40 hours a week doing that entire process. If you automate it, then it becomes something that somebody else can step into, and they can generate results that are similar to yours without having to pour so much time into making the business grow or at least continue on at the current revenue level. Talk a little bit more about the, you call it uh, CRISP, C-R-S-P or C-R-I-S-P. Um, how, does an, how does an entrepreneur who's already wearing like a ton of hats, and maybe this is actually where they should be going because it will help them, but somebody, you know, somebody who's already, as I call it, a fireman, they go to their work and they put out fires all day long. How do they actually get that set up without, I guess, just hiring somebody to do it for them? Sure. Well, not only uh, – my argument is that you, if your house is burning down, you make time to call the uh, fire, uh, the you know, fi- you know, firemen, the firewoman, whatever. Okay, if you're having, uh, if, some, if you're uh, close to being a victim of a crime, you make time for calling the police. And so this is an urgent problem. The first challenge is that entrepreneurs have to start with 80/20 analysis. So there's a lot of information swimming around the internet about 80/20 or the Pareto principle these, these days. And the first thing is, as an entrepreneur, and I encourage everyone to look at taking tests like StrengthsFinder or the uh, folks at PerryMarshall.com have a, a test called Marketing DNA. I don't get anything from endorsing them. I just really believe in those tools. And we'll, we'll be developing our own too shortly, but for now, any one of those tools will do. The first thing is that you have to figure out what your strengths are. And the reason is simple. You are infinitely more productive at doing something that plays to your strengths than anything else. And so many people have to first figure out what they're, they're good at, okay? Now, once you figure out what you're good at, then your task is to pick a customer acquisition process or strategy that plays to your strengths. So most entrepreneurs are just trying 40 or 50 different ways to getting customers randomly without really sitting back and saying, okay, what am I good at, number one? In other words, one, which one of these strategies plays to my strengths, okay? Number two how do I go about focusing, right? Because just like uh, a 100-watt a light, light bulb, gym can barely light a factory room floor, if it's focused and it's a laser, it can cut your steel. And so when people just stop wearing all those hats and they really focus on the 80-20, then they can have time to do the things that they need to do. So what we preach and what we evangelize about is to have two main ways of generating awareness for your business. One is paid because it can be automatic, money in, money out, like paid media, online advertising, that sort of thing. The, the second one is one earned form of media. So it could be social media, it could be speaking, it could be doing radio interviews. And when you really focus in on those two main ways of generating uh, awareness for your business, which starts the sales process, then you free up a lot of your time because you're not trying to do all those things that take up 80% of your time, but they only um, generate 20% of your results. So the first step to close out is to get crystal clear on what your strengths are. Even if you feel like you know them, chances are you really need to take an, a, a test so you get an outside perspective. And then you begin to uh, take off those hats that really don't play to your strengths. And then you can have a, a, as much time as you need to, at least an hour a day, to really work on the sales process for your business. Um, Jesus, so many places I want to go, but I'm already seeing the clock run down. Shola, I want to ask you, you mentioned earlier uh, when we started our conversation about 
um, you know, getting probably even a 50% bump in um, selling your business. So why is not having um, an exit or a succession plan for your business, is, you know, basically, as you would say, robbing of at least 50% of your company's wealth? Well, the answer is quite simple because when we make decisions with the uh, the end in mind, right, just as Ben Franklin said, uh, not planning means planning to fail. So when we build a business with the end in mind, then the business that we build on a daily basis is looks and feels so much different than one that doesn't have that end in mind, right? So here's a really fantastic example. Let's say you have an Internet-based company or business, and for the first two years of being in business, you just neglect to use any kind of tracking, okay? You don't use Google Analytics. And then you go to sell your business, and this is a very powerful example. So take note if you're listening to this, and this might be you. Then you go to sell your business, and you say, oh, I've been in business for five years, and we've been doing X amount of traffic, and uh, this is how much I want for my business. Okay, so the investor or company buyer is like, okay, great, show me your numbers. And then you show them your stats, and the first two years aren't there. So they're like, I'm sorry, we can't pay for that. And you say, well, hang on a minute, I'm telling you, you should believe me. And, and they say, no, we're investors, and we make decisions based upon the evidence, right? And so that's small, something that may have taken you, gosh, 20 seconds, or even if you outsource it an hour of your time at the start of your business, might rob you years later of a good chunk of the value of your company. That's a small, 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 okay, uh, example, but a powerful one. And there's so many small things like that that if you think about it with the end in mind, that just take a little bit of time, you know, 80-20. You take a little bit of time and effort. But when you go to really making your business a, a sellable asset, okay, that enriches you, most people in America, get, they get wealthy through owning something and selling it. And a business owner's biggest asset isn't their house or their car, but their business. And so I hope that that small example really gives you something that uh, people can, can, can chew on because I guarantee you that there's somebody listening to this who's probably made that mistake. I guarantee it. So it has been a very, very uh, uh, informative call. Probably we go a little bit deeper than on some of the calls, but I think you've given us so much to think about, Shola. How can people uh, learn more about you, want to connect with you, and, and, and you know just uh, learn more about what you have to offer? Sure. Well, everyone listening to the call, feel free to reach out to me at Shola at ConvertPort.com, and we have a little short diagnostic that we do of your business where we can step through your sales funnel and point out some of those small but important mistakes that we just talked about, Jim. But if there's one thing I'd just like to leave everyone with is just the big idea that their biggest asset isn't their house or their car, but it's their business. And if they want an asset that generates not just income for them but for wealth, then they have to build what we call a crisp funnel. And it doesn't have to be us doing it. Somebody has to do it. Somebody has to build a sales process that enables them to step away from their business so that one day they want to um, retire or they want to sell their business or give it to their, their kids, then they can do that. So thanks for having me on the call, Jen. It's been an absolute treat to speak with you today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special episode of Stick Like Glue Radio with serial entrepreneur, 
private equity investor and author Shola Abidoy. Stick Like Glue is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more again. You want to go for all of those. Do not miss the next Dream Business Academy. Just an amazing lineup of speakers, including my great friends Bob Berg and uh, Melanie Benson-Strick. Many of my team members are coming to share what they know, and uh, that is in October in Annapolis, Maryland, dreambizacademy.com, dreambizacademy.com. We'll get you all the information. Thank you for joining me this week. I'm your host, Jim Palmer, your dream business coach. I'm committed, as always, to helping you build a more profitable business faster. Watch for another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio next week. Until then, keep taking action, keep moving forward, and don't ever, ever, ever give up. Hey, now go out there and do something nice for somebody today. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Stick Like Glue Radio features Jim Palmer's unique brand of smart marketing and business building advice for action-oriented entrepreneurs. To make sure you don't miss a single profit-boosting show, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes and www.getjimpalmer.com. To learn more about Jim's Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind program, visit www.dreambizcoaching.com. That's www.dreambizcoaching.com. If you know other entrepreneurs looking for the fastest way to hire profits in their business, please tell them about the Stick Like Glue radio podcast. Now, go and implement what you've learned and boost your profits. See you next week for more Stick Like Glue radio.